Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken loves talking about cars and automotive trends. And here he is, the automotive host with the most, Ken Chester. You tuned to Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for talking again. <laughs> Dropping in, talking in. Thank you for showing up. I'm your host for the hour, Ken Chester. This is another themed hour for your consideration, and I promise it will not disappoint. We'll rummage around for some news, tidbits from the parts bin, but first, if this is your first time, are you a novice listener to the show? Let me share some information that you will need to know. It's easy to add your voice to the conversation. You can call or text me on the Roadworthy Driveline, that number 872-222-9793. If email is your thing, my address is ken at roadworthydrive.net. Either way, I want to hear from you. Now, this hour, I am fortunate to have the Roadworthy Drive crew at full strength. From my friend and executive producer Jack on the controls to the sweet and sassy gamer girl Sasha holding things down at mic two. Howdy, my peoples. Howdy. Hello. How we doing? We're, it's hot. Yes, it is. It's hot. Summer but- day. Ken. Yes. I need to pick up with a conversation from last week. Okay. Sasha. Oh, Sasha, oh boy. I yeah. have a bone to pick with you. Oh. Apparently, two weeks ago. Yes. You decided to say that I was giddy over the uh, digital license plate. You were. Num- number one, I was not giddy. Pretty sure. Giddy was you over Canvas. Uh, all the time, Canvas, every day. Thank yes. you. That's okay. what I'm saying. Okay. Let Canvas alone. It's a Ford thing. The future of mobility. Maybe. 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 If they get it. We'll see. Right. Digital license plates. I think we got that solved. That sounds like you two need to have that conversation <laughs> off air. He is not any fun. Okay, Mr. Chester, what is in the parts bin? Well, yeah, what week? is your Speaking, plan for fun? Ford has a better idea. Okay. okay. Motorcyclist de- uh, detect. Uh, I can't even talk this week. <laughs> I really can't. I don't know what it is. Mouth is not working right. Motorcycle detection. Thank you. That's exactly what I wanted to talk about. Okay. Seems that, and we've reported here, motorcyclists have always been at a higher risk of accident and injury when sharing the roads with cars and trucks. Seems the Ford Motor Company uh, recently filed a patent for a system that uses cameras and a simple algorithm to detect motorcyclists approaching a vehicle from behind between lanes. Here's the interesting part. Typically, with the exception of California, it's pretty much illegal everywhere in the United States. Yep. But it's common in other places around the world. Now, the, what Ford's proposing is a trio of rear-facing cameras linked to a controller that ties in with the vehicle's other advanced driver assistance features to actually trigger automatic steering or braking when, an auto, when a motorcycle is detected coming up behind him between lanes. Okay. I have a question for my friends in California. Yeah. Why? How do you ever stop somebody being, and I hate to use this word, a smart aleck, and decide to open up the driver's door? Uh, that would be called assault, sir. I would certainly think so. And charges could be filed, particularly if there was death or injury. Yep. You see that all the time out there. Do you? Uh, that happens a lot. But 
I have not been back to California probably in about 10 years. Mm-hmm. But every year before that, I would go out to California on vacation. Mm-hmm. Lovely place to visit, have relatives out there, but mm-hmm. wouldn't want to live there. I've been out there. It's yeah, nice. Yeah. It's a beautiful place to be. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I kept seeing when you get stuck in traffic, and I mean you are stuck in traffic most days any place in California, mm-hmm. you would see at least one driver just decide to I've seen him open the door a crack. I've seen him open it up all the way. And I'm like going, are you really that dumb? Inconsiderate. Oh, it, thank you. That's a better word. Um, I'll tell you what. If I was the motorcycle rider and what I was doing was considered legal in the state and they did that, you better believe I would be filing some serious charges and suing. Yep. So I, I totally agree. But I will, I, in full disclosure... There's another show that I produce that is syndicated. Mm-hmm. We are a motorcycle talk show. What? We talk we talk about motocross, motorcycles, you know, uh-huh. the big ones, the little ones, and everything in between. Uh-huh. And the one thing we end up doing every about every March and about every October, mm-hmm. guys, the motorcyclists are back out. Mm-hmm. Give them a little bit more room. And please watch out for motorcycles. It boils down to this. Hey, let's be careful out there. Exactly. I think that this Ford thing um, will keep an autonomous vehicle or even a highly automated vehicle that's not autonomous from getting from pulling out in front of a motorcycle. So that's something they're working on. Should be interesting to see if that actually happens and where they introduce it. Now, got something else for you, a little lighter. Okay. Um, how about a Hot Wheels car with a GoPro mount? Okay, I kind of like that idea. Um, Hot Wheels, of course, for those of you that know the little cars that run on the orange tracks, a lot of us, a lot of us grew up with that. Um, the toy maker that makes uh, the Hot Wheels has, time, has teamed up with portable camera maker GoPro to offer a Hot Wheels car that will fit a GoPro camera. It's a thing. Okay. It now, will, yeah, go I'm, ahead. I'm trying to remember what the tracks were like. Oh, those plastic tracks that you'd put them together and you could loop them and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Right. Yeah. I don't think the GoPro will stay on. Actually, the way that it's set up, it's got a smart little clip that it will clip in place. Okay. So it will. And it's designed to fit either a GoPro Session or GoPro Hero 5 Session uh, camera. And they said it snaps right into the pop-up stand at the top. Now, of course, this car... Uh, they're selling the car separately from the camera. So the car right. goes for a dollar. You've got to bring your own camera. Right. But it should be interesting, at least the first few times, as people actually buy this and give you point of view from the Hot Wheels track via the GoPro camera. Okay. Here's my question. Mm-hmm. Are they making those GoPro cameras anymore? No, but you should be able to pick them up pretty much anywhere online, I'm sure. Okay. How expensive is this camera? I have no idea on that, but, I mean, they're GoPro cameras. They can't be more than... A few hundred dollars, I would think. Um, you're, well, it depends on what kind of camera you're looking at. I mean, I've seen them as expensive as, you know, 800 so. Yeah, I'm sure these are not. I'm pretty. I'm not going to put an $800 I, I probably, camera on a, on a Hot Wheels car. Yeah, and, I'm and, thinking that this is probably one of those more similar to, like, your uh, nanny cams. Like, the ones that they yeah, put, like, Yeah, like probably, like, $9,900 or 150 bucks or something. You mean $9,995? Something like that, yeah. I don't think these would cost that much. That That's for sure. Um got something else for you mr jetson your flying car is ready does it fit into 
Your garage? No, a briefcase. Yes. No. No. <sighs> and I and I that too, but I'm just I'm just waiting for the zinger here. Uh no zinger. Okay. Um, Kitty Hawk, one of the two flying car companies, uh, started by Google founder Larry Page, has introduced its first flying car that's available to the public for pre-order. They call it the Flyer. It seats one. It's operated by a joystick, and that joystick controls 10 independent lift fans. Now, the thing will fly 3 to 10 feet off the ground and can fly up to 20 minutes or 20 miles. I'm going to let that sink in, Sasha. Why? Uh, Get around traffic. Go across the field. For 20 minutes? Hey, you know, in California, that'd be a lot. But it only goes, you said, ten feet, 3 to 10 feet off the ground? Yeah. Your average car is only 57 inches off the ground. I can get 10 feet off the ground, and give me 20 miles, I'm good. And your average truck is almost 8 feet off the ground. Well, there you go. So you zip around the trucks and kind of wander your way or fly across the field. Now, my only question in all of this, and yes, I'm going to be a hater here, I will admit it. Wow. Where is the crash landing zone? Crash landing. Okay, right. wait a minute. Ten feet off the ground, really. Ten feet. Do you realize at ten feet you can break a leg off of a ladder? That may be, but it's only ten feet. Here's the best part. <laughs> because it falls under the FAA's rules for ultralights, you don't need a pilot's license. All right, so what we're gonna when will Roadworthy Drive be getting one of these? Uh, Never. You know, the suits won't give us chairs. Right. You know? Right. And and your your Bugatti proposal was shot down <laughs> once they stopped laughing. They, I, they they thought I need you were therapy over that. They 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 it's gave you insane. points for being bodacious, but it was not happening ever. <sighs> so yeah, what is the price tag on these? Ken? You know they didn't say. Of course not. Um, I'm expecting them to be out probably like this in the next year or so. But this is not the only one. Uh, Chinese firm Ehang is developing an all electric passenger drone. And even Airbus, the commercial aircraft maker, right. they launched their first successful flight of their self-piloted flying car back in February. Yep. So I guess you would say that the Skyway is the new highway. Well, but here's my other question. Mm -hmm. With the amount of trouble I've seen all over the country with people shooting drone, drones down, I see a problem here. Well, there's food for thought, and we will monitor that. Uh, next, Made in America. That's the theme for this hour. You are cruising with Ken and Roadworthy Drive. Want more than your share of the road? Be sure to check out Roadworthy Drive on Facebook. like to be sure you'll never, never have a flat tire. In traffic like this, you want that protection. We all do. So let me show you the Captive Air Double Eagle by Goodyear. Look at this model. Inside this newest Goodyear tire is a nylon and steel cord safety shield, an inner spare, really, that takes over if the outer tire is punctured or damaged. Here's a demonstration of how it works. At 100 miles an hour, the driver is going to pull out a special blowout plug that was designed just for this test. Now watch. And there it goes. A blowout, yet the car doesn't even swerve. 
It's riding on the captive air inner spare. On the highway, that car could drive on for as much as 100 miles to wherever the driver could get service. Get this priceless safety protection on your car. See your Goodyear dealer for the Captive Air Double Eagle, the tire that doesn't go flat. If you're just joining us, this is Roadworthy Drive, and I am your host, Ken Chester. Now, the theme for this hour is Made in America, and our attempt to determine what that really means with respect to the auto industry today. It's not what you think. Let me, let me start with the easy stuff. Uh, Jack, Sasha? Yes, sir. Can you name... How many car and light truck manufacturers that are building vehicles in the United States right now? One, two, three. No, no, you can name them. Ford. Yep. GM. Yep. Toyota. Toyota. Yep. Hyundai. Yep. Kia. Yep. Uh, Mercedes-Benz. Correct. Um, Audi or uh, Audi. No. Um, BMW. Yes. Do they already say Mitsubishi? No. And they don't. They don't build any? Not anymore. No. Oh, okay. I think that's all I can remember. Okay. Sasha, you want to add to that? No. Um, what you left out. Okay. Honda, Nissan, Subaru, um, Volkswagen, uh, soon to be coming with Toyota, Mazda, and that's 2021. Yep. Soon to be coming, we've reported it here uh, this year and next year, Volvo. Yep. Now- you're saying they're going to, you said made. Manufacture. manufacture. Okay. Are you saying actually made here or are you talking pieced together here? Manufactured. So pieced here. together. Um, potato, potato uh-huh. in your world. And we're going to get into that. So put a, put a pin in that. I'm going to pin a pin in. We're, we're going to come because, back. Yeah. Because I'm going to the next level here. Uh-huh. Uh, let's, let's start with that. Jack, how many parts, literal parts... Down to the screws. Are there in the average car? I'm going to take a guess here, bud. 30,000. Jack, you're exactly right. Touchdown! 30,000. You are right. Um, on average, Automaker has between 750 and 3,000 suppliers from around the world. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that more later. But let, let me, let's take this a little further. Um. I'm going to name some vehicles. You tell me if they're made in the United States or not. Okay, but again, this is my rub. But hold on a minute. The point is, and this is what we're going to get deeper and deeper into. Uh huh. You're right in that it's a difference between being made here Thank you. and sourced here. And we're going to deal with that. Okay. But a lot of folks don't even realize, can't even get past the first hurdle. Yeah, right. So let's start there. Okay. Ford Fusion. Manufactured here. Sasha? Fusion is the, sh- the smaller one, right? No. no. It's their bread and butter sedan. Then I'm going to say it's made here. Mexico. Really? Really. All so right. every single Fusion that's on the road. Yep. Is Hermosillo, they- Mexico. Well, and there was, there are some GM cars oh, still yeah. today. I think if I remember right, the Cadillac Fleetwood Brougham was actually made in Canada. No. At the end of its production run in 1996. It was down in Arlington. It was down in Arlington. I'm talking about 89 or 86. I can't. I, don't know. I can't speak. I mean, that's the other thing, and I'm going to deal with that. But let me deal with that now. Okay. We are in a global. The automakers have developed a global supply chain. Correct. Thousands of suppliers, thousands of parts. 
that means that even by just changing, oh, the trim level could change where the vehicle, you know, is sourced in terms of different parts, and that could affect percentages, things like that. Um, the problem is that you can't just say uniformly that if it's got what we consider a traditional domestic badge, that it's domestic, and that if it has a traditional uh, a foreign badge, that it's foreign. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Right, because... Right, right now, when you go buy a new car, because mm-hmm. I had this happen to me last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. It says on, on some place on the window, it will say, this vehicle has 75% U.S. parts and 25% foreign parts. Thank you, what, Jack. And where it was assembled. That is called the American Automobile uh, Labeling Act. Yep. Thank you, Jack. And we're going to get into that in yep. detail. Here we go. Uh, not now. We're going to get into a couple of segments. I got to get you there. Yeah, he's first. G- he's going to take us for a ride around the park. So you might as well just you know oh, sit back. Oh, Stra- yeah, strap you in, want turn up the radio. Yeah. We're going around Red Robin's Bar. Yeah. yeah, got it. Let, yes. let me let me throw another vehicle at you. Okay, Ford Edge. Throwing mm. a lot of Fords in there. No. Don't worry. I, I, I'm no, equal I opportunity. Think, I think it was made here. Sasha. No. But where? <laughs> Canada. I'm over two. That's not good. No, Let's... I really thought that the Ford Edge was the one that was made over in um... Japan. Yeah, like China? overseas. Because no. isn't there one that it's a small, smaller car? And it shocked me when I saw it. The Fiesta. Yeah, was that it? Yeah, their smallest, which is no longer made, by the way. No, yeah. or no. Well, the Fiesta. Uh, was imported the fu- the uh, Focus, which is between the Fusion and the Fiesta, was Correct. made in Michigan. They just stopped making that. Yep. Now, uh, let me throw this at you: Toyota Camry, made here. Sasha, I'm going to also go with Jack on this. I think it's made here. You're both right. Um, Alabama, no, Kentucky. Oh, okay. Honda Accord, made here. Sasha. I'm going to say assembled here. Whatever. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Marysville. Uh, Nissan Altima. I think it's made here. Sure. I'll roll with that one. Yep. Smyrna, uh, Smyrna, Tennessee, Canton, Mississippi. Okay. Subaru Legacy. No. Yes. Where? If nowhere. I am going to say that that one's down in Mexico. No. Dang. Made here, Lafayette, Indiana. Really? Been forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hyundai Sonata. Made here. Sure. Yep. Montgomery, Alabama. Alabama. Kia Optima. Made here. West Plains, Georgia. Assembled here. West Plains, Georgia. But it's assembled here. Whenever it is two different things, though. It is. You and- can't just you can't import like eighty percent of the vehicle and then put it. But what does that mean exactly? If okay, the okay. average car has got thirty thousand parts. It does. If uh, it does, and when we get back, we're going to get into that even more. Coming up, a legal way to tell what's what: the American Automobile Labeling Act. This is Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy.
Worthy Drive. Like us on Facebook. Am I glad we're not recording the off-air comments? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. That uh, would be a little dangerous today. We'd had to call in the fire department into the studio. Uh, yeah. Uh, put the fire out. Exactly. I, I am yeah. more than a little passionate when people say made in America. So am I, kind lady, which it, is why we're doing this survey. We're talking about it today. It is very loosely assembled. Okay. Number one. Yes, sir. Number one. Mm-hmm. Let's deal with that before I even get into this. Uh, if you're just <laughs> tuning in. This is the second part of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, Ken Chester, and obviously uh, we are talking about made in America, at least is what it relates to the American auto industry. What does that mean to you? Can you really tell in this global economy we live in? The good news is there's a mainly definitive answer available from the United States government, and here's the thing. It's been around for consumers for over 25 years, and I bet you've never checked it out. And we're going to talk about that in a moment and get back to why Sasha's hair is on fire. (laughs) Um, For those of you who have not checked out the website, Facebook page, or our YouTube channel, why not? Roadworthydrive.com has everything that a bona fide roadie is looking for about me and the Roadworthy Drive crew. Pictures, audio clips of past shows, videos of our behind-the-scenes antics, and so much more. The website is also a great place to discover where we are and what we're doing across the universe of social media. Sasha keeps things interesting during the week between shows with her postings throughout social media. For those of you that are truly mobile, we are now on Google Play and Blueberry Podcasting. See how we keep the social and social media and be sure to like us on Facebook. Now, let's get back to this thing. Um, so it's been pointed out to me fervently between the break. <sighs> Just because it's manufactured in America doesn't mean that all the parts are made here, too. Now, bombshell. Little factoid here. It can be reasonably said that there's not one vehicle sold right now for sale at a dealer in the United States of America that is 100% American. Thank you. You got that out your system now? That's all I needed. Okay. For those of you that want to buy American, what can you do? Well, it seems the federal government is way ahead of you on that score. Let me introduce you to the American Automobile Labeling Act. Now, this thing is near and dear to my heart because regular listeners know, and anybody that knows me knows, I've been all about Made in America for a long time now. Yes, you have. And I believe, for a lot of reasons, that even assembled in America is better than not being made here at all. Why? Because the company's paying suppliers, Logistics, employees. taxes, employees, property taxes, supporting the town. So there are advantages even in that. And here's something else. A lot of these vehicles here that are made here have some of your primary things like your steel and some of your primary uh, framing and some of the basics of the vehicle are made in supplier plants nearby. Correct. So it's not all or nothing even if some of the parts are are imported. Okay, Ken, I just, I'm going to say something here. If, and I had this happen to me one time. Mm-hmm. 
let's let's just use a simple number. You want to go buy a truck? It's fifty grand. Mm-hmm. Let's just say you pay fifty grand for it. Mm-hmm. How many times? Pick either GM or Ford. Mm-hmm. How many times is that fifty thousand dollars change hands? Umpteen times. Start if you're starting at the dealer. I'm I'm starting at the dealer paying. Yeah, at, you pay the dealer fifty grand. Mm-hmm. He's got to buy the. He's got to buy it from Ford at which, that point. Which, by the way, most manif- most dealers do what they call floor planning. planning. Right. That, now, for those of you that don't know what floor planning is, floor planning is where the dealer actually borrows the money to pay for the car. Right. And they pay so much interest, either a day, a week, a month. Uh, the car, the shiny metal you see. Chances are the dealer doesn't own it. And when you pay the dealer, they turn around and pay the finance company who owns the vehicle to release the title or what they call certificate of origin if it's new. Yep. Now, so let's make this simple. If you pay, um, since they got the vehicle and they paid the factory and the factory paid their workers and flowed through the local economy and Taxes were paid, both payroll taxes in the state where the plant was, property, property taxes. taxes where the state of the plant was, maybe even some local taxes, depending on where part in the country they are. Correct. Uh, not to mention the uh, charitable work that many companies do that benefit their local communities. Correct. So there's a, that money does flow a lot, even if parts of that vehicle are not made here. Now, typically what this does, the... Uh, the American Automobile Labeling Act, which is a little bit of a misnomer because it really should have been the U.S. and Canada Automobile Labeling Act. Mm -hmm. Why the manufacturers have done that is for over 100 years, they literally, uh, back and forth, porous uh, border with Canada in terms of plants and suppliers and things like that. They argued before Congress that it would be literally impossible for them to pull those two apart. So in the legislation, even though it says American, it's actually more um, Canadian and U.S. Now, Mexico is listed separately and apart, but as far as U.S. and Canada, and this is more of a traditional thing because of the proximity of Detroit and how much business they did back and forth the border. Correct. So you've got a lot of that. But still, it is the only indicator we've got that identifies final assembly, percentage of – American – American and other country parts, right? Uh, where the transmission was made, where the engine was made. Why? Those are two of the largest cost subassemblies in any vehicle. Okay, but there's also a – or did you mention this already, the final assembly Yeah, plant. I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, in a, lot of these fa- in a lot of these manufacturers, it's on the window sticker. For some of them, it's an additional page on the window. Correct. Uh, depends on the manufacturer, and the government lets them get there either way. But this information has been around, believe it or not, since 1994. Is that the year it started? That's yeah. the year it started. Wow. The act, was, the act was enacted in October 1992, and it was required on new vehicles starting in 1994. And according to NHTSA's own surveys, most Americans, including the folks that say, and you know who you are out there, I want to buy American, don't even know it exists. And those that do usually don't look beyond where the vehicle was assembled Okay. in terms of where it was made. They don't look at the percentages. They don't look at um, engine and transmission, which are also important. Mm -hmm. But that represents billions upon billions of dollars 
that the automakers are spending here, there, and everywhere. Um, I've got a couple of these real quick before the break. Um, Chrysler Pacifica, for example, 2018. Final assembly point. I'm reading it right off this window sticker. Okay. Uh, Windsor, Ontario. Country of origin. Engine Mexico transmission in the United States. U.S. Canadian parts, 58%. Major sources of foreign parts, content, Mexico, 29%. Uh, Hyundai Elantra, real quick. Um, U.S. Canadian parts, 46. Uh, Major sources of foreign parts, Korea, 19. Built in Montgomery, Alabama. Engine and transmission, both made in the United States. Food for thought. Finally, when we return, some examples of American-made vehicles with high American content. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Go to roadworthydrive.com to check out Ken's blog, listen to past shows, and the times when you can see the show on Facebook Live. Okay, Mr. Chester, I want hazardous duty pay. You might need it now that law enforcement has left the studio. Well, <sighs> no, there was no law enforcement here. Uh, we, wait a minute. We, you we mean were the guys again, in we uniform were, weren't law enforcement? We were, again, <laughs> having a very spirited discussion between the break. Yes, yeah. we were. Um, if you're just joining us, this is the last segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, Ken Chester, and you're here with the Roadworthy Drive crew. We're talking about Made in America. Now... For all the hubbub about people talking about, oh, I care, let me challenge you. When is the last time on anything that you checked to see where it was made? And I'm not just talking cars. I mean anything. I do it. Been doing it for years. Because if there's an American choice that I know was at least made here, and I try to get as much as I can, Sometimes it says it's assembled here with American and other parts. Mm -hmm. If that's as close as I can get, I'll go. But if I can get it made here, sourced here, why? Because charity, my friends, as the old saying goes, begins at home. You're right. It does. You you complaining about cutting budgets and everything? Well, you can't continue to buy foreign in this world when you have a choice. And underline when you have a choice because I don't even have to look at Sasha at this point. Um, to buy American. That's all I'm saying. Okay. But, but in fairness, we're in a global economy now. Yes, we are. And stuff is coming from everywhere. Um, I was mentioning about the American Automobile Labeling Act, right. which really should be labeled the American and Canadian uh, Automobile yes. Labeling yes. Act. In fairness. Thank you. Because they look at percentage, when you look at it, the percentage of U.S. and Canadian parts are blended together. together. And that's because of the industry's uh, just connection, having started in Detroit and built so many plants across the border, that the automakers contended, and Congress agreed, that it was literally impossible to break that out. Now, ironically, they do break out Mexico. Yeah. And the other countries. Um, Let me at least define what is covered under the American Automobile Labeling Act, or the AALA as it's called. A passenger motor vehicle. And it's defined as a passenger, a motor vehicle designed to carry not more than 12 persons with a gross vehicle weight rating of not more than 8,500 pounds 
and includes multi-purpose passion of vehicles and light-duty trucks, which to me would be at least a half ton. Uh, Three-quarter ton, I guess, would depend on the configuration. Okay. Would be my argument. Probably. Um, does not include a motorcycle or a truck not designed primarily to carry its operator or passengers, like, for example, a delivery truck. Now, the a, this, this requirement also, here's what need, they need to report. The percentage of U.S.-Canadian equipment parts content, the names of any other country other than U.S. and Canada, which individually contribute 15% or more of the equipment content and the percentage content for each such country, maximum of two countries, the final assembly point by city and state, and where appropriate country, country of origin of the engine, country of origin of the transmission, and a statement which explains part content does not include final assembly except for the engine and transmission, distribution, or other non-parts costs. Food for thought. Now, I've got the 2018 report here, which, by the way, you can get if you want to know. Um, and I probably have Sasha put this out in our social media because it's a long address. Okay. It's uh, www.nts. I'm sorry, nhtsa, which is nitsa.gov backslash part dash 583 slash, I mean, dash American dash automobile dash labeling dash act dash reports. I'll have her put it out there. Can it's you say that three times fast for our Not if I place. can help it. <laughs> Try not to. Um, let me just give you a sampling. Vehicles, the top three vehicles with the highest American-Canadian content, where, and they're built in the United States with engine and transmission also built in the United States. I would have no idea where to start. Honda Odyssey. Minivan. Okay. Honda Ridgeline. Their little truck. Made in America, engine and transmission, made in America. Um, your F-150, your beloved Ed, and that's a 75% content, by the way, Canadian U.S. content. Okay. Your F-150 for 2018, 65%, with a 15% uh, from Mexico. And depending on the engine, um, some percentage of one of your engines, a 3.5 liter EcoBoost uh, for that truck comes from Mexico. Um, Toyota Avalon, by the same token, 65%, with uh, 20% from Japan in terms of other content. I wanted to look at a couple of other vehicles. How about perennial favorite, Chevrolet Camaro? I would hope 75, 25. 57%. Wow. Made in the United States, 19% Mexican content. Ford Mustang, 56% uh, made in America. Um Let's talk about the beloved Tesla. We're going to pick on Elon Musk even. Would you believe Model S, which is their highest content vehicle in America? 55%. And they even have 15% from Mexico. Okay. Um, Chevrolet Silverado, America's truck for some people. Mm -hmm. 46% American content. 44% of that content comes from Mexico. Wow. Yeah. Blows your mind, don't it? Uh, would you believe... Along the same lines, Volkswagen's new Atlas uh, SUV, 46% made in America, 27% comes from Germany. Not totally surprising. Um, I want to throw out here one more, or a couple more. Uh, this one, Buick Envision. 
That's the one that's made in Japan, right? That's the one made in China. On China, I'm but sorry. it still carries eleven percent U.S. Canadian content. Only eleven percent. Yeah, but the argument, and we talked about this when they came out. They said if they were able to sell between one hundred and thirty and one hundred and fifty thousand units in America a year, mm-hmm. they would put a plan here. Now they said that, so I would be looking for that to change. Now I also need to say this. These literal percentages are averaged by car line for all the models in that line. Okay. That's all the trim levels. They have to calculate what the percentages are, and that's what this ends up being. So this literally can change based on the change of the mix for that particular manufacturer in a given year, even if they don't change anything else. You know, it could be as different as we're going to sell more high-end this year or more low-end this year. Uh, That alone could change the percentage based on the components in that vehicle. Um, how about the Cadillac CT6? Their full-size their full-size car. Uh, US Canadian content 39% and I've got a 31% content from China. Wow. So, yeah. Um, look for that uh, that link. We've got it out there. Um, basically, uh, that's all the time we've got today. And we've come to the conclusion of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, thanks for listening. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.